Last week I intended to open up the new year with a meditation, a shorter than usual one about the subject of forgetting and remembering. And of course, because of the problems we had, we reconvened this Lord's Day for the first time this year. And how wonderful it is to be able to gather around the Lord's table after missing last Sunday. I remember when I was off in college that it didn't concern me that much whether I missed a service or not. But once I got back to Greenwood, got back into the swing of things here, it pained me greatly to miss a Sunday, whether through sickness or being out of town. It would be an ache in my heart because of it, and surely such a thing was last Lord's Day. But we're here again now this Lord's Day. We come to remember Christ's death at this Lord's table, how He died to save us from our sin. And He did die to save us from our sin, and we are saved from our sin. We who've trusted in Jesus. But some people claim that this table forgives sin and is in fact a propitiatory sacrifice. And we spoke a great deal about that in our teaching through Hebrews that we just concluded. We referred to it as the blasphemy of the Mass, which is the sacrilegious claim to be repeating what the Lord Jesus instituted the night He was betrayed. That is the Lord's table. It's been corrupted in the blasphemy of the Mass into a propitiatory sacrifice that's necessary to take away the sins of the people. Not just a remembrance, not a picture, but rather a representation of the bloody body of the Savior in an unbloody form that really forgives sin. That's what they claim. The reason it's a blasphemy, as we well know, is that Christ's sacrifice at Calvary did not leave sins left to be forgiven for His people. It did not leave unforgiven sins. So therefore, the Lord's table cannot be a sacrifice that forgives sins. We covered all this exhaustively. But focus today on the Lord's table versus the Old Testament animal sacrifices. For that is really a better comparison and contrast. The writer of Hebrews tells us of the stark failure of Old Testament sacrifices to perfect the Lord's people. In Hebrews 10 at verse 1, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Now, in the repetition of the animal sacrifices, there is a remembrance of sin. Don't be confused or misled. This is not a remembrance of sins forgiven and cleansed of and put away. That's not what they're remembering when they offer another sacrifice. No, they're remembering sin yet to be taken away. The Old Testament animal sacrifices were a continuing offering for sin not taken away. Unforgiven sin, sin still binding the conscience and requiring judgment and wrath to come. And this is the key point. 
that the remembrance of sin that the writer of Hebrews refers to when he talks about the Old Testament sacrifices is not a celebration of forgiveness. It's the dreary and dreadful recognition that there are more sins yet to be atoned for and that the people are still not made perfect by the animal sacrifices. It is a recognition that the sin is an ongoing and unsolved problem. And not only does it remind the people that they've continued in their sin and are therefore under wrath, but it also reminds us that God remembers the sin. The animal sacrifice reminds us that God remembers our sin because that's why we're making another animal sacrifice to appease God. A remembrance of sin that denies peace with God and in fact proclaims condemnation. You see, the animal sacrifices proclaim condemnation because what they say is there's more sin that must be condemned and therefore this sacrifice will be made. But next year the same thing will happen again and again over and over a remembrance of sin that denies peace with God and preaches condemnation. Because of this, the Romanist Mass is a perfect example of the Old Testament sacrifice, not the New Testament. It is a celebration of a sacrifice akin to and likened to the Old Testament sacrifice, even though it supposedly represents or represents the sacrifice of Christ. So you see, the reason the Mass is so blasphemous is it basically equates the sacrifice of Christ with an Old Testament animal-like sacrifice that is one that has to be repeated, that is one that must be offered up in the Mass to take away sin over and over and over again. The Romanist Mass is a picture of the Old Testament sacrifice with constant remembrances of sin and judgment pending and no peace with God and no end of wrath for sin. About the same time you step out the front door after the Mass, you're back in a no peace with God scenario. As soon as you found out somebody blocked you in your parking space or your car needs to be taken to the shop or your wife says something snarky at you or your kids are back in the back of the car screaming, just about as soon as that, you're back in a state of sin and there's a need for another sacrifice to take away the sin. But the writer of Hebrews is not comparing Christ's sacrifice with the animal sacrifices. He's contrasting Christ's one-time sacrifice with the Old Testament sacrifice. Not building an analogy by suggesting a similarity between the two. Thus the Mass is picturing the wrong sacrifice you need. Not Christ's, but Aaron's sacrifice under the law that could never take away sin. And sure enough, the Mass never takes away sin. According to their own teaching. According to their own teaching. It has to be repeated over and over and over and over again. The Mass is a remembrance of unforgiven sin, just like the Old Testament animal sacrifice. And it represents a sacrifice that cannot take away sin and justify forever the believer. 
And that is why it is blasphemous. It's allegedly celebrating the sacrifice of Christ and at the same time stating that it can never take away sin or make the comer thereunto perfect. The Mass, you see, is the devil's counterfeit of the Lord's table because it is a remembrance of sin in the same way that the repeated animal sacrifices were remembrances of sin. It defies what Hebrews says is the difference between a remembrance of sin and what Jesus did for us. Those are two completely different things. In verse 11 of Hebrews 10, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So as the Aaronic priesthood, so as the Roman Catholic priesthood. They stand daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, our Lord Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So there is the contrast, the sharp contrast between the Old Testament sacrifices that are a remembrance of sin and the one-time sacrifice of Christ that forever perfects his people. You see, there is finality and completion in the sacrifice of Christ versus repetition and remembrance of sin in the Old Testament sacrifice and in corruptions and perversions of Christianity, such as the Mass. One sacrifice that perfected us forever versus repeated offerings that cannot take away sin nor perfect the believer, for if it could... Hebrews has told us it would have been discontinued already, wouldn't it? This is Christ's sacrifice is discontinued. It's never to be repeated because it took away sin. Hebrews compares the remembrance of sin with the consequence of Christ's sacrifice, which is no remembrance of sin. That's the comparison. If you're ritual and your mass and your Lord's table isn't comparing the Old Testament sacrifice with its remembrance of sin by your religious activities being a recollection that there is no remembrance of sin, then you're doing it the wrong way. You look at verse 17, quoting the promise of the new covenant which Christ's blood executed their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So you see there's remembrance of sin and condemnation and dread and the need for judgment versus no remembrance of sin. That's the consequence of the sacrifice of Christ. And so at the Lord's table, we better be remembering the no remembrance of sin and not remembering our sin. There's no remembrance of sin. That's the consequence of Christ's sacrifice. And notice, importantly, it's God that doesn't remember our sins against us anymore. Not the worldly human priest. Not even us. We ought to not remember our sins against God, but sometimes we do. The important thing is that God doesn't remember them. 
against us. God remembered the sins of the people of Israel against them when all they had was animal sacrifices. But God does not remember the sins of His people who have trusted in His dear Son, God's Lamb. God doesn't remember our sins and we must not either. We are declared without fault because of Jesus. And the consequence of this change in the remembrance status of our sins before God is this. Verse 18, Now where remission of these is, that is forgiveness of sin is, there is no more offering for sin. There is no more offering for sin. Our offering is finished at Calvary. There is no condemnation for us. We have peace with God forever that cannot be broken because Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses and He was raised again because we are justified. But that raises the question, how do you remember no remembrance of sin? Which sounds like a question that a Jewish person would ask. How do we remember not remembering our sin? How do we do that? Well, the answer is, we remember who took away our remembrance of sin and God's remembrance of sin. That's who we celebrate at the Lord's table, the Lord Jesus, our sacrifice. That's who we adore and worship around the Lord's table, the one who took away God's remembrance of our sin. That's something that's worth remembering, isn't it? Not remembering our sin, but remembering the one who took away God's remembrance of our sin. We don't come here to remember we have sins to be taken away. That we have sins yet to be forgiven. That's not what we come here to remember. No, we come to celebrate the no remembrance of our sins. We come to celebrate the one who took our sins away. And I was struck by all this while listening to a preacher who pointed out this double use of the word remembrance. Paul talked about what we remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 23, where he says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He brake it and said, Take ye, this is My body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of Me. And after that same manner also He took the cup. When He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in My blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of Me. And then He says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show or preach the Lord's death until He comes. Now note well that the Old Testament sacrifice and the sacrifice of the Mass remember sin unatoned for, remember judgment and an attempt to forestall God's wrath. But at the Lord's table, Paul says we do this to remember Jesus, doesn't he? We don't do this to remember sin. We do it to remember Jesus. In fact, the word remembrance in Hebrews 10, where it says every year the animal sacrifice in that animal sacrifice is a remembrance of sin. That word, and here in 1 Corinthians 11, where it says we do this 
in remembrance of Christ is the very same word in the Greek, remembrance. In the animal sacrifices repeated year by year, there is a remembrance of sin. And in the Lord's table, there is a remembrance of the Lord Jesus. It's the thing remembered that differs, you see. The Old Testament sacrifices repeated remembered sin. The Lord's table, which reminds us of Christ's death, it doesn't remember sin, it remembers the one who took away the sin. So the thing remembered is different. Sin versus the Savior. Our sin unforgiven versus the one who forgave and took our sins away. Another sacrifice demanded for our sin versus the one sacrifice completed that sanctified us. Another sacrifice reminding us of sin versus the one sacrifice that left no remembrance of sin. In short, the remembrance of Hebrews 10 of the feudal sacrifice is a remembrance of sin. The Lord's table is a remembrance of the sin bearer, the Lord Jesus. God made Him to be sin for us, He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The Lord Jesus Himself put it this way in the Gospels where He laid down the Lord's table. We are to remember Him in this cup which pictures His blood shed for the forgiveness of our sin. At the Lord's table, we are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus that obliterated God's remembrance of our sin. We remember Christ and celebrate God's forgiving and forgetting of our own sin already judged in our sacrifice, our Redeemer's body and blood. There is a hymn which I don't believe we've ever sung by Samuel Trevor Francis written in the late 19th century. Savior, we remember Thee. Thy deep woe and agony, all Thy suffering on the tree. Savior, we adore Thee. Darkness hung around Thy head when for sin Thy blood was shed, victim in the sinner's stead. Savior, we adore Thee. Jesus, Lord, Thou now art risen. Thou hast all our sins forgiven. Haste us to our home in heaven. Savior, we adore Thee. Soon with joyful, glad surprise, we shall hear Thy word. Arise, mounting upward to the skies. Glory, glory, glory. Calvary, O Calvary. Mercy's vast, unfathomed sea. Love eternal, love to me. Savior, we adore Thee. Having reached this conclusion, imagine the insult to God and to our Lord Jesus every time the Mass is performed blaspheming Christ's sacrifice and treating it like Old Testament sacrifices which could never take away sin. But here we remember Jesus and what He accomplished when He died and took away our sins forever, forgiving us forever and blotting out God's remembrance of our sins for good. We also sing this other hymn, Lord, we would ne'er forget Thy love who hast redeemed us by Thy blood. And now as our high priest above dost intercede for us with God. Lord, we would not forget the pain, the blood-like sweat, the shameful tree, the wrath Thy soul did 
once sustained from sin and death, to set us free. We would remember we are one with every saint that loves Thy name, united to Thee on the throne, our life, our hope, our Lord the same. Here in the broken bread and wine we hear Thee say, Remember me, I gave my life to ransom Thine, I bore the wrath to set Thee free. Lord, we are Thine, we praise Thy love, one with Thy saints, all one in Thee. We would until we meet above in all our ways remember Thee. So we come to the Lord's table this morning and we give praise to the Lord for giving us His Son, for withholding not His Son, but delivering Him up for us all to die on Calvary's tree to take away our sin. And praise God, Jesus never has to repeat it. This is something that Jesus never has to go through again. A one-time offering He made that forever cleanses and perfects those who are sanctified. I'd like to ask Brother Whitten if he'd give thanks for the bread that pictures the body of Christ broken for us. And the Scriptures tell us that at the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus took bread and He blessed it and He broke it. And He said, Take and eat, this is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let's give thanks now for the cup that pictures the blood of the new covenant shed for us for the remission of sin. Oh God, our Father, we rejoice we can come around this table and remember that You don't remember our sin against us anymore for Jesus' sake. We thank You for what this bread and this wine represent to us, the body and blood of Christ, the real body and blood of Christ, which was the sacrifice that took away our sin and abolished your remembrance of our sins against us anymore. We thank you that the Lord Jesus left us this celebration and did it before He went to the cross so that we might understand the intentionality of it and His determination that His sacrifice would be completed, that He would go through to the end to make an atonement for us and that it would be worth celebrating even before it took place. We thank you that now after the fact, We are able to understand the full meaning of it, not to misapprehend it, but to understand what it signifies and what it reminds us of and how we must take joy in it and rejoice in it because it was by that sacrifice, that one-time offering for sin, that you no longer remembered against us our sins. And we give you the praise for it. We thank you that the Lord Jesus' blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness and that He has washed us in His own blood and made us perfect and clean before You. In Your estimation, we are clothed with the righteousness and obedience of our Lord Jesus. And all that defiles us for judgment purposes has been taken away in the bloodstream of the Lord Jesus. Thank You for this cup He left us to remind us of that shedding of His blood for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Scriptures tell us that after they had supped, He took the cup and He blessed it. And He said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the new covenant in My blood for the remission of sin. Do it as often as ye do it in remembrance of Me. And the Scriptures tell us that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do preach the Lord's death until He comes. Let's stand and sing number 111 in the black book. 
O Lord, we adore Thee, for Thou wast the slain one that livest forever enthroned in heaven. O Lord, we adore Thee, for Thou hast redeemed us, our title to glory. We read in Thy blood our title to glory. We read in Thy blood. Number 111.